Good morning. I'm so happy to be in the house of the Lord. To, I don't think I've ever been in this church before. I grew up on this district all but nine years of my life, and uh, it's a beautiful sanctuary, beautiful people, beautiful everything. Um, as Pastor Jeremy said, my name's Mike, and um, I got the call to ministry in 1993 and been doing ministry ever since, and love it. Work with teenagers mostly. Um, I've, you know, worked with teenagers from inner city to out in the farm flats, you know, just all kinds of different kids that are all kinds of different family situations and some that you would like, oh my Lord, you're still alive kind of situations. Teenagers have it hard nowadays because family's not what it used to be. Um, over the last six years, six and a half years now, I've been the associate pastor of prayer and uh, anything with prayer ministries at our church, I'm in charge of and, and, and try to take care of those things and um, you know, and it's a wonderful thing. Um, so uh, before we get started, I want to pray over the message because uh, can't can't really do it without that. So Father God, we thank you for this day and we thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you for giving us the strength and the ability to uh, be here. Lord, we even thank you, Lord, for the ability of technology. And even when we're not feeling well, we can hang out on our couch and try to feel better and still... Uh, watch the service. And so, Father God, I just uh, pray that you come in a mighty way. I pray that you uh, let your spirit run rampant. You have first priority here. We invite you to take first position in everything that we see, everything that we hear, and everything that we do. Father God, may it be uh, a message from you. Help me to utter what you have asked me to. And Father God, just fine-tune us this day so that we may walk as one. Thank you, Jesus, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Uh, the title of today is uh, called When a Mother Listened to God, and, and the passage is found in Exodus chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 10. Um, and I'm going to be sharing a couple of stories here, uh, but the first one is about Moses. So in Exodus chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. So the reason she was hiding him is because if you didn't know, Pharaoh was out to kill the baby boys because he was so afraid of... Uh, losing his kingdom, and he was trying to stifle the, the Israelite population. It says in verse 3, But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby, and he was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister picked up, asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? 
Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took care of the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him into Pharaoh's, took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. And this story here, Moses' mother had no choice but to listen to God, had a choice but to listen to God or not. It's one of those two things. You either listen or you don't. She is probably in anguish because Pharaoh was going around and killing the, the young boys. And uh, he just didn't want the, the Israelite population to grow anymore. So he was trying to do everything he could to keep it from doing that. And, um, and she, she probably spent many times on her face before God, like, what am I supposed to do? What do I need to do? Um, it brings me to the first point. Listen to God. And as we as parents, our first priority should be to listen to God. Proverbs 5, 1 and 2, it says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear, from my, turn your ear to my words of insight that you may maintain and discern and your lips may preserve knowledge. We need to pay attention. In order to listen to what God is saying, we have to pay attention. Because if we're not paying attention, we're not listening. You know, if you look at today, nowadays, the, the worst and greatest thing that everyone could ever imagine was the invention of the cell phone. Because you could see it, and when you go to a restaurant, there's a family of four, and they're sitting around the table, and they've got their phones out like, What's the latest, greatest thing on Facebook or TikTok or, or whatever else is going on? And, and you, you see no conversation. You see no interaction. You see no communication between the people at the table. You know, my household, when we have dinner, the phones will go away. Unless sometimes I'll get a prayer request and then I have to post that on the prayer chat. But that's just something that we do because communication is important. If you get kids together, you get adults together, half the time they, they really don't know how to interact. They don't know how to talk to each other. They don't know what to say or to do. And I'm like, well, I bet you what, if they get the texting out, they, they could write a book and chapter and, and all that stuff. But yet to have that verbal face-to-face -face communication, it doesn't happen because they're like, uh, uh, what do I say? What do I do? Pay attention to the wisdom of God. Turn your ear to my words of insight. And by doing that, I believe that he's asking us to get on the edge of our seat and turn our ear ever so slightly to the good ear, not the bad ear, but to the good ear. Turn your hearing aid up if you have one and really tune in to what God's trying to tell you. Because half the time, even in church, you see people are like, they're tuned out. Like, why should I be here? What's the big deal? I'd rather be at home because, you know, I've got some burgers and dogs. I'm going to put them on the barbecue. But they're not tuned in to what the Spirit says. And you always hear from the teenagers, I'm so bored. Oh, my goodness. Church is just so boring. I said, well, let me ask you something. When's the last time you tuned in what to God had for you? When was the last time you said, all right, I'm going to place myself secondary and really jump into who this Jesus is and what he's all about and what he could have for me? And they're like, what? 
just one of those things you start thinking about when you start wanting to figure out what this God thing is all about. Maintain direction and your lips may preserve knowledge. If we don't maintain direction, then we're going to get lost, right? That's why I love my GPS. I'm like, I need an address. Half the time when we're going somewhere, I'm like, honey, what's the address? I don't know. Honey, I need the address because we don't have the address. We don't know where we're going. Well, it's over there by that one building next to the gray thingamabob over by the whatchamacallit in three passes past the wing name. And she's laughing because she knows it's true. But we're the same way. Where are we going? What is our direction? What are we supposed to be doing? Without any of that, we are lost. We need to develop the talent to listen to God and not merely talk. There are many times in the Gospels that Jesus took time to listen to what his father was saying and not to come off as a know-it-all, even if he knew it all. Because, let's face it, Jesus knew everything that was going to happen, that did happen, that is ever going to happen in history. But he took the time to say, you know what? I still need to step aside. I still need to step into God's presence, my Father's presence, and say, okay, Father, you know what the next task is. I need you to fill me up. I need you to energize me. I need you to give me direction. I need you to give me what I need to say, what I need to do. And I believe, to correlate this with mothers, and can be parents as well, but mothers specifically, that mothers need to stop, lean in and listen. Father God, what do you have for me today? How can I be the woman of God that you created me to be so that my children can see what a good godly woman is supposed to be so that the people around me say, you know what? I don't know what's going on with her, but I want some of that. That is an amazing thing to see what this woman is about because she took time to pay attention to the wisdom of God. She turned her ear towards God. And she maintained discretion and listened so that may she preserve knowledge. Moses' mother had to be tuned in with her God in order to do what she did. I, I don't know of a mother who could emotionally or spiritually do what she did. But to save her child, I believe throughout this whole ordeal, what was going on at the time, she was probably on her face, on her prayer rug, making a big puddle of water crying out to God God what am I supposed to do what's my next step help me to save my son help me to do what's necessary and as the story said that she got a basket not knowing why or what was going on but she was obedient did what she did with the basket so it would float she probably lined it with his favorite blanket, you know, changed him real quickly, made sure he was clean, and set him in there and then placed him along the riverbank and then stepped away. Let's see what God would do. And we all know the story of Moses and how he saved the people of God and, and those things. One of the things we've been talking about at Obed's is, is called a book called The Dangerous Prayers. And I believe sometimes this is the hardest prayer for mo mothers to pray is, Lord, 
I'm placing my child into your protection. I have to place my child under your direction. Help me to do the best that I can with your learning and your guidance and your direction so that they can become what they need to become for you. Because let's face it, we want our, our kids to be successful. We want our kids to be the greatest that they can be. But my prayer for my children is that they be the greatest that they can be for Jesus. What did God create them to do? I don't know. It's up for him to design and decide that for them. Which leads me to point number two. It says, uh, trust in his plan even when it doesn't make sense. Let's just face it. There's a lot of things that God asks us to do, and you're like, what? Psalms 28, 1 through 2, and then we'll jump down to 6 and 7. It says, to you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you remain silent, I would be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I lift my hands up toward your most holy place. Can you imagine being in a very dark room, pitch black? You know, you flip the lights off and you're like in there. You're like, I know there's a bed here somewhere. Oh, oh no, that's the end table. And I know there's a, 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 a nightstand over here. Oh, no, that's, that's where the bed was. And you're fumbling around because... You're not sure what to do. And then you're like, Lord, you are my rock. You do not turn a deaf ear from me, for if you remain silent, I would be like those who have gone down to the pit. This individual is crying out to this heavenly father for mercy. He's asking for help as he lifts his hands towards the most holy place. Aren't you glad? And, And when we lift our hands up and lift our heart up. There's no busy signal when you're talking to God. There's no, like back in the day, they used to have a party line because they didn't have enough phone lines so that three or four houses had the same line. And you had, um, sorry, Mr. So-and-so, I really need to make a phone call. Can You're like, I'll be off in a minute. And three hours later, you're like, okay, we listened to the cow having a baby and the chicken got out and the dog's running down kind of like I need to get through you know I cut my finger off and oh but I don't have to wait I can lift my hands up I can cry out for mercy and ask for help so verse 6 it says praise be to the Lord for he has heard my cry for mercy the Lord is my strength and my shield my heart trusts in him And he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I praise him. There's one phrase in here that we must understand. It says, my heart trusts in him. Moms, since it's Mother's Day, where's your heart at? Are you trusting in him? I can ask fathers the same thing. I can ask those of you who are not married yet. Is your heart trusting in God? So even though this is a psalm of David, I can hear Moses' mother crying out again to God as what to do because like any mother, she wanted her son to live a long, healthy life. She wanted him to be used of God. So I picture her on her face down again on her prayer rug, pouring her out to God, and God tells her what to do. And I I kind of believe that her first words were, 
what are you thinking? Lord, you don't make sense. But then as she's on her prayer rug and she's honest and realizes that she finally settles down, when she finally settles down, I can hear her settle in her heart and say this, my heart trusts in him. Are we trusting in him, mothers? Third point here. Obey his plan even if it seems crazy. Obedience. Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Start a child off in the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And a lot of people think that this is a, a guarantee that, that if we teach our kid about Jesus and we walk him through church and we walk him through the life of, of what life is like with Christ, that he'll, when he's older, that he will not turn from it. What it is, it's a challenge for the parent to do what's necessary to make sure that they have all the tools, they have all the knowledge, they have all the learned skills, they have all the things that they need to, to walk in the light as Jesus is the light. It's pushing us and challenging us. You need to do this because this is what you're supposed to do as a Christian parent. Then when they are old and on their own, they have to make that choice. Because we all know that we're not making it into heaven on, uh, on our mother's coattails. We're not making it into heaven on our father's coattails or, or the pastor who led us to Christ or, or our neighbor who led us to Christ. We have to make that choice on our own. So when you read that passage or someone said, yeah, it said this and, and I, you know, my child is so far away from God, but it said it here. You can say, did you do what you were supposed to do when you were training your child when they were young? Yes. Are they old enough to make that choice for themselves? Yes. Then they need to decide for themselves because they have to make that choice. As much as we want them in the kingdom of heaven, everyone has to decide. Story number two, and it's not about a woman, but it's still about a parent, but we can still look at this and say, you know what? I can place myself into this. How in the world would I do what Abraham did? And it's in Genesis chapter two, 22, verses 1 through 14. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go up to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. You know, when I, keep, when I read this, every time I read this, I keep thinking of an old 70s uh, show where it was like uh, the, the, the two brothers would be like, the one would say something and the, other, the younger one would go, what you talk about, Willis? And we all, because we know what that is, and, we're like, and I'm looking at God, and I'm like, what you talking about, Lord? I could just picture Abraham, um, you just gave him to me, and now you want me to, okay. So verse 3, it says, early in the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, and he took him, took him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he sat out for the place where God had told him about. And think about it. The night before, I'm going to backtrack a second here. I don't think Abraham slept a wink. I really think he was on his face before God, and it was like, Lord, what do you mean? Sacrifice my only son. What do you mean? This is my lineage. This is my legacy. This is my offspring that's going to carry my name on into the next generations. But I think he also had to come, as Moses' mother did, and say, my heart trusts in him. 
We as parents need to say the same thing. And on the uh, verse 4, carrying on, it says, On the third day Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then, on, and then we will come back to you. Verse 6 says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And you can hear in the distance, dun, 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 because he's asking a question. I see all the things that we do because he was taught from a young age how to offer sacrifices before the Lord. And he's like, Dad, where's the sacrifice? And you notice Abraham had a moment where he was like, you know, God told me to do this. God said this. God said that. And he's like, you know, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And the two of them went on together. When they had reached the place God told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on, the, on it. He bound up his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And, and all throughout this, I'm kind of wondering what Isaac was thinking. Just one of those things I think about. What was he thinking? Dad said the, the Lord's going to provide. What's going on? Verse 10, it says, Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Motherhood is a very awesome and wonderful and a blessed position in our society. I believe that with all my heart because mothers do some things that us dads could never do. It just the thing the things that they go through and walk through you see a mother when their uh, child is in danger they'll walk through fire to save their child. They will walk over burn coals to save their kid. They will walk through hell and damnation to try to save their child from the bad choices that they're making. That's what mothers do. But the thing is, I think mothers sometimes believe it so much that they get lost in, I've got to take care of my child. I've got to take care of my offspring. I've got to do what I've got to do, that they lose themselves in the protection of their child. As you watch Abraham walk through this road with his son, doing what he bounding his son up and laying him on the wood, on the altar, and getting ready to slay his son, he's doing what God told him to do, placing his son at the foot of the cross, so to speak, at the foot of his father. Verse 11 says, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. 
Abraham looked up, and there is a and, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. And the reason I kind of correlated that with what mothers do is because mothers tend to lose themselves in the process of helping their children to be successful, to protecting their child and to doing those things necessary so their children can have the best success at life. But they tend to sacrifice their relationship with the Lord where their children become first place. I don't, know if, I, I don't know if Abraham was doing that, putting his son in first place over God. And God said, wait a minute, we need to test these waters because there's some things here that are out of whack. These are things here that are out of place. So I need to make sure that I am first place. So mothers, challenge to you is don't forget to put God in first place. Abraham showed God that he was in first place. Moses' mother showed God that he was in first place by doing what she did, putting her son in a basket in a water that could have easily got downstream and been lost out to sea. Isaac chose, could have, you know, did what he did, and the Lord may have not said anything, and he would have sacrificed his son because he wanted to make sure people knew that God comes first. Mothers, God has to come first. Grandmothers, great-grandmothers, God has to come first. Because if you're not right relationship with the Lord, and you're not in right unison with him, and you're not spending the time necessary to be in unison, so when you go out to do what you need to do as a Christian woman, then you're going to be off-kilter. You're not going to be where you need to be. Your mind's not going to be focused. Your eyes can't see what needs to be seen. You're not going to be what, what you need to be when you're teaching your kids about Jesus or you're showing them what it's all about. Jesus did the same thing. He said, I need to get away to prayer. Because Scripture says he had a habit of getting away. And sometimes overnight, sometimes during the day, sometimes. But if you look before any major event... In, in, in the Gospels, he was taking time to get away so that he and his father were on the same page. And then he stepped out into ministry, and thousands of people got to see the real Jesus. They got to see how he provides in situations. They got to see what was going on. I'm going to reiterate here. Sometimes we as parents and mostly mothers get very deep into protecting their children that they become their entire world, and they tend to neglect their responsibility to spend time with God. They forget to listen so much that they never get to obey the Lord. 